Welcome to the Living Clean Podcast. I'm your co-host Mason S. With me as always is Travis K. This podcast is not meant to replace meeting, sponsorship, step work, or service. This is meant to be just another tool in your recovery toolbox. Our guests are here to share their experience, strength, and hope with recovery through Narcotics Anonymous. Thank you for joining us. All right, welcome back to the Living Clean Podcast. I'm your co-host, Mason S., and with me as always is TK. Yeah, yeah. Back for another episode. And today, we got something pretty neat. Um, There's a couple of us, and I know there's probably millions of addicts out there who have noticed that this is not only a individual disease, this is a family disease, and it's affected many of us. I know for me personally, uh, many of my family members were affected by addiction, and fortunately, through the grace of our higher power, we find ourselves to the room. And today, we got another example of that. Um, we, I think these guys... There's actually three of them. One of them wasn't able to make it because he got clean and actually has a job and is doing the damn thing. But yeah, the other two don't work. Yeah, the other two, they're getting there. But anyways, we got um, we got a cut there. It was there was three of them that changed their life, decided to get clean. Uh, one of two of them are brothers, and one of them's a cousin. They kind of all grew up like brothers, so it's pretty neat. Um, we're going to start with Mr. Doug B. Doug, how are you, brother? Man, I'm great, Mason. That's awesome. We're glad that you came on here and did this. Why don't you start with your clean date and where you attend meetings at, your home group? I'm an addict named Doug. My clean date is uh, June 1st of 2021, you know. God's grace and a couple more 24s, man. I'll pick up my first black and gold key tag. Uh, I got clean in Homewald. It's a newcomers group. And because of the program, I was able to move back home and be a part of my family's life, man. And so now my home group is glow in the dark in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. If you ever get up there, get a chance to swing by. We have our meetings at the Serenity Club there in Oak Ridge, seven o'clock, seven nights a week. All right, thank you, Doug. And then our next guest will be Mr. Johnny B. Johnny, won't you tell us your clean date and where you attend meetings at? All right, guys, I'm Johnny. I'm an addict. My clean date is May 4th, 2021, and I attend meetings at the new group here in Homewall. All right, fellas. So thank you guys for coming on here and doing this. So why don't we start with um, – was it which one was it doug did you get clean first no johnny did johnny okay so johnny talk us through the experience of um all the way up until the point of until doug walked in to the wherever you were at you know i know y'all met in a treatment center or but walk us up what recovery looked like up until that point and how you got there well for me you know, I'd never, never been around N.A., never really heard much about it until the other family member you was talking about. No, he, uh, he went and got clean. And the first example I really had of what recovery could do for a man was 
whenever we had a family member that had passed and he came home and I was still out there doing my thing. And I was all geared up for us to go back to doing the things we've been doing. And whenever I said something to him, whenever I told him what I had planned, he just looked at me and flat out said, no, man, I do that. He, he told me, he said, man, he said, I'm clean. I'm changing my life. I'm finding a better way to live. And I just can't do that. And so NA was, it was already present in my life where I ever walked into the rooms. And whenever I got clean, finally, you know, this is my first time ever trying to really get clean. And the big thing for me was that home group where he's talking about because my whole life, I'd always tried to find somewhere to fit in, whether it be playing sports when I grew up, was growing up or joining the military. I was always trying to find somewhere to fit in, and I never felt like I fit in anywhere until I walked into an NA meeting, and I had somebody that's very special to me now walk up to me, give me a hug, and tell me that she loved me. And she was glad I was there. And it was the first time that I actually believed it when somebody said those words to me. And, you know, I said, I was working on myself and trying to get started in this life. And I had Doug back at home that I was, I was worried about. And, you know, Noah came to where I was and he told me, he said, hey, man, he said, Doug's on his way. And that, that was the biggest relief that I've ever felt because for so long, we've done so much grimy stuff together. And just the fact that I was going to get to do this with them and experience a new way of life with them. And it's just, I can't thank my higher power enough, man. I mean, the gratitude that I have for this program. All right, so talk about, just before we bring Doug on, your experience with what it was like having somebody who you had grew up with who was already here and establishing them this, themselves into the program. Uh, what was the benefits of that? Well, I had somebody to lean on, somebody that I already, already had that relationship built with. And I could talk to him about, things I was going through because he'd been there with me whenever I'd done most of this stuff. And it just it completely changed my life, man. Just the fact that I had somebody that I could that I could follow their example. I mean he was my first piece in my network. All right, so <clears throat> jumping off of that, let's let's go on into Doug now. Doug, when you got there, you were you had the um opportunity to be able to jump into this program and have not only your brother but your cousin there too. Um what was your experience like when you first started to try this thing again? So like I had been I've been in the other rooms for years, right? Like I've I was introduced to NA at the first treatment center I went to and 
two years later, I went back to the same treatment center and my roommate from the first time came in on the H&I panel, right? And like, so that was where the seed was planted for me. And I had just never really reached a point of surrender. You know, I, I hadn't had my ass kicked enough yet. So from our generation, you know, my Noah and Johnny's generation, I was the first one in and the last one out, right? Uh, so Noah takes off to treatment and uh, and gets me in down there where he was at. And things were starting. You know, I was finally beaten enough and ready enough, like I was willing to, to buy in, right? But because I still thought I was smarter, you know, where the rules didn't apply to me, I wound up getting asked to leave the treatment facility for getting high there. And so I came home and had that shame and guilt riding me, right? And the whole time Noah was telling me about this sponsorship family he's a part of and this retreat that he got to go to. And I see the, you know, I see the change in my, in my little brother's demeanor, like just the whole look about him, right? Like I see the life coming back into him and stuff. And I hear him talking in a different way. And I, I hear these things and I've, I didn't know that, that Johnny had went, had checked in the treatment at this time. I was just, I felt like the loneliest dude on the planet, right? I, a series of events, you know, I, of course, I went back out whenever I come home and I wind up getting Narcan one day, one time. And that evening, I watched my youngest son hit his first home run. And as I'm standing up to cheer for him, the thought crosses my mind, you selfish son of a bitch. You almost robbed this boy. And so I, I called Noah and got back into the treatment facility. And the, I had a counselor at the treatment facility that really pushed the program of NA, right? Like, if, if you're going to be here, this is what is expected of you. And so I finally was beaten and broken enough to take some suggestions, you know. And I loved it whenever I found out that Johnny was there too, right? Because now, now I've got two family members down there that I've shared the misery and the pain with that are doing the damn thing. So I was finally willing to surrender and take some suggestions, man. I got a sponsor and I, I called him every day. I started working some steps. You know, I utilized the time I was given down there to try and, uh, to try and find some recovery, man. And it was to be able to share that experience with Noah and Johnny was It was a feeling of completion, you know what I mean, of, of unity. That's the word I want to use right there is unity. Like my family was a, was safe. And we were we were healing together. We were growing together. Our, you know, our family back home was getting healing and growing of their own from seeing us, you know, get clean. It was just like it was a – man, you can't tell me God didn't have his thumbprint all over it, you know. I'll never believe otherwise. All right, so Doug, I know a little bit about this past that you uh that you received a phone call from Noah while he was at this event. And I would like to hear about what happened in that phone call. I could hear I could hear the tears in Noah's voice and it wasn't it wasn't tears of joy or it wasn't tear of sadness right it was tears of joy it was i could hear the gratitude and he's just 
he said, man, you wouldn't believe what the spiritual experience this is. And I was so jealous, right? Like I wanted what he had. Uh, our readings talk about, you know, our program is based on attraction rather than promotion, right? He made that attractive to me. Like I wanted what he had so bad. And I, I can remember hanging up the phone and crying, man, because I knew at that point our lives were on separate paths, right? Like I was, I was still in active addiction and my brother was moving on and that was hard. Like not only is he my brother, man, he's my best friend. You know, we're real close in age and he's always been my best friend. So it was like that part, that part of me that was still alive yearned to be with him in that, man. And it like that seed that was planted all them years ago from H and I, like right there's where the water really started to be poured to it, man. And it started to sprout, you know, and it was, uh, looking back on it now, I could see that was a spiritual awakening before I knew what a spiritual awakening was. All right. So I want to go back to Johnny for a second. Now <clears throat> I know you had these, you had Noah that was there, but when did you start to believe that this could work for you too? And what was that process like? Cause I know you went through some ups and downs trying to get to that point. Yeah. For, for a long time, man, sitting in the treatment center, I just, I felt a lot of hatred and a lot of guilt and a lot of shame over what I'd done. And I just, I didn't think that anything could relieve that, that anything could help with the pain. And then I started going to meetings. And I started hearing people talk. And I heard some, some guys' stories, and I realized that they'd been through the same stuff as me, that they had had that shame and that guilt. But then I see them walking around with their head up, I see them walking around and – They've got some pride about themselves. And on top of that, it was like Doug mentioned a minute ago, H&I. Man, I sat in that treatment center, and every guy brought a meeting in, and he told his story, and I heard what he had been through, man, and I just I thought right then, man, if this can work for that guy, then maybe, maybe there's a chance it can work for me. I mean, I tried everything else. I mean, I tried the religion. I tried. I tried ending it, but nothing worked. So, why not give this a shot? All right. So let's jump back to Doug for a second. Um, Doug, what was your big look? You said you'd had experience before with NA. Um, you come here now and you got family members here, but what was your big hope shot that this time was going to be different than those previous attempts that you'd had to get in clean? I'd have to say it was just reaching that point of total surrender, right? Like, because I've always thought that I can do this, you know, I can figure this out. I'm smarter than this. You know, a lot of ego involved there. And it just reached that point of being beaten and broke, man. Like, and seeing. So there was a guy 
from the rooms down there that the first time I met him, he wasn't, I thought he was closed and standoffish. When I got to know him, I realized he was going through some shit, right? But he, he got through it clean. And I, I wound up asking that man to be my sponsor, you know, and that was a big hope shot for me. Seeing, seeing Noah and Johnny holding their head high and buying into it, you know, that was a big hope shot. And it's, I had been, you know, I'm one of them guys that would go to meetings high because I knew there was something in the rooms. I could see it in people. But I'm the type of addict. I've got to be separated from the dope, right? I don't have it in me to get clean on the streets, man. And to the people that do, my hat's off to you, man. That takes some courage. I couldn't imagine that. <laughs> but for me, like, I've got to be separated from it, right? And so treatment for me was just a, a chance to stop and take my breath. Like, Narcotics Anonymous saved my life, man. And it's the people in Narcotics Anonymous that loved on me until I could love myself. There was a lady in the room that my brother, he wanted to give up everything to God, give give his will over God except me, right? He's like, I, I'll take care of Doug. I'll, I'll make this work. And when he finally surrendered that, he, he shared about it to me one night. He said, you know, this is what I'm struggling with, and this is what I'm trying to give over to God, his will, you know, have his will in it. And that lady wrote in the palm of her hand, Doug's brother. And that lady prayed for me before she ever knew me, man. And so whenever I got to go to the meeting the first time and she looked at me and smiled and hugged my neck and said, I love you. I'm glad you're here. Man, I got no lies to tell. I cried right there. Like it was because I couldn't find that love for myself, right? I was at a point in my life where there was no love for myself. But Narcotics Anonymous and the people in it, man, uh, showed me a better way. All right, so let's jump back to Johnny for a second. Johnny, let's talk about uh, what your experience was like with uh, going and asking somebody to sponsor you, um, and what was what was that journey like, walking through the steps and all that? Well, it this was one of my first God shots. And I went down to the treatment center, and I'd seen the change in Noah, and I thought, Man, I want what he's got, so I need to I need the same sponsor he's got. And then I heard another addict come and do H and I at the treatment center. And after hearing his story, hearing how he had made a turnaround, I thought, well, maybe, maybe that guy, maybe whoever's sponsoring him. And then went to a meeting one night. And heard a guy share, and just everything that he said just hit me right in the face. And something told me, well, that's the guy. So I had these three different guys that I wanted to ask to be my sponsor. But then after I asked the guy at the meeting, and at first, he told me he was kind of full up, but I could call him if I wanted to. And after after a while, he did take me on as a sponsee. Come to find out, that guy that I got as my sponsor was also the sponsor of Noah, 
and the other guy that I'd heard do H and I. And that right there just solidified it that I had I'd found the guy that I needed. And working the steps, man, I procrastinated a lot. I put it off a lot and seemed like every time that I set it down and didn't touch it for a while, some of my old feelings started creeping back in and I just I didn't feel right because what I'd been doing that was working whenever I would quit doing it, things just didn't work right, man. I didn't feel right. And then got to that fourth step and I tried to I tried to bullshit on it, tried to just pick and choose what I wanted to say, and I got sent back to dig deeper. That's what I was told. Dig deeper, do more. And Man, I'm grateful for that because he could have just passed me on. He could have just said, you know what, okay, it's good enough. Let's go on. But, man, through working those steps, it's like an onion, man. It just peeled back layer by layer. And I, it introduced me to myself. I finally knew who Johnny was. And now... I have the opportunity that I'm sponsoring people myself, man. And just sponsorship is, whenever they say it's the lifeblood of this program, man, that, that's no joke. It's no lie, man. I mean, every day when I get them calls from them guys, it's, I love that. I love seeing that. I love the fact that somebody trusts me enough to ask me to help them. And I'm just grateful for my sponsor. Love that man like a brother. Uh, Johnny, here's one for you. What are some of the difficulties that you've faced while being clean in recovery? For me, honesty has been a real sticking point. It it was for a while, and I still – I wanted to keep embellishing stories and telling people half-truths or whole lies just because – at that time, I still felt like I needed to shine myself up to make myself look good for you. But, and then on top of that, I mean, just just not, not putting in the work when I need to put in the work. I mean, there's times that I've had things going on with me that I should have called a sponsor, that I should have called somebody in recovery. But I just decided to sit in my shit because it was mine and I wanted to sit in it. But I realized quick that if I didn't change something up and start talking, that man, I was gonna be I was gonna be right back where I'd started. Doug, what's some of the difficulties that you faced in recovery or while being clean? So I think the biggest difficulties for me came whenever I went through step six and seven, man, you know, people blow, blow four and five up to be this big ordeal and they're important, no doubt. But like looking at them character defects and shortcomings, you know, once you ring that bell, you can't unring it, right? Like now I'm aware of these things. And, uh, my biggest struggles today, and I think it has been all along is feelings of self-worth, you know, low self-esteem, my, my disease knows it can't come at me with dope today, right? Like, I don't want, I, I don't have any desire for dope. 
but it it tells me I'm not good enough. I'm not a good enough son. I'm not a good enough brother. I'm not a good enough dad. I'm not a good enough sponsor. And so it's, you know, the 10th step really comes into play there too at night, right? Like whenever, uh, whenever I can honestly evaluate my day, it's, you know, I can see that I've done a lot of things right throughout the day, you know, but my disease will hang me up on the one thing I got wrong or the two things that I've, you know, that are eating my lunch and thank God for him steps. You know, I'm able to evaluate that, you know, relationships are a painful area. Our literature tells us that I've went through a, a breakup in recovery, man. And that's, you know, that's been hard. I've hurt somebody and I don't like hurting people today. All right. So <clears throat> I kind of have had the um, pleasure of knowing both of you. So I want to talk about uh, for a second, how special the, um, the home group was for each of you. Um, and what that process was like expanding outside of the sponsor and the people that were in your family that you already knew that were in there. How has the home group been a positive uh, entity inside of your recovery? Well, for me, the home group, man, just whenever I finally went in there and sat and listened, and because when I first went in there, I wanted to try to share every meeting. I wanted to share everything that I knew in the couple months I had clean at the time. But when I finally just started listening to people, I started seeing the differences and not, I mean, start seeing the similarities, not the differences, my bad. But man, just whenever I realized that I had a group of people right here, that I could go to at any time and talk with them about whatever's going on with me. And the fact that whenever I walked in there, people smiled at me and just genuinely happy to see me and just, and excited for me. Every time that I make one little step that I hit a new milestone in my recovery, man, I've got people constantly just, Hey man, proud of you. I mean just people pushing me and it's also set up that accountability to where I've got all these people that have invested time into me and have put their love into me I feel accountable to them and I need to keep doing what I've been doing I mean I've said it in the meetings before if you could put my recovery under a microscope you would see every member of my home group's fingerprints all over it. Because I'm not here, I'm not where I'm at today without the people in that home group. And as an extension of that home group, man, the family that I've met going to events with the home group, I mean, I get asked to go places and I can go and I meet new people all the time because of these relationships that I've developed. And I'm closer to a lot of the home group than I am my own blood family. And that's not a knock on my family. It's just that the people in that home group, they understand me. All right, Doug, what about you, brother? 
Johnny hit on it right there when he's talking about being understood, man. It's the relatability, right? Like the therapeutic value of one addict helping others without parallel. I could talk about things in that, you know, I could talk about things in the home group that I don't have to explain it. They get it. You know, the unconditional love and support that that I get from the home group. You know, the uh, the fellowship. You know, them's my people. Them's the ones that uh, they've been where I've been. You know, I, I never wanted uh, a doctor or a psychiatrist telling me how to fix my life. You know, I needed someone that had track marks like mine to show me how they fixed it, right? So the relatability and the love, like, you know, I touched on earlier, loving on me till I could love myself. That was a big one for me. And I still need that, you know, because I was talking about the low low self-esteem and self-worth, man. Like, it's the people in the home group that, that bolster me up right there. It scotch me up whenever I'm feeling down. You know, it's a network of people I can call because my sponsor can't always answer the phone, right? Man, I've got I've got tons and tons of numbers of people in my network. And I wouldn't have that network if I didn't go to the home group, you know, if I didn't go to meetings and become involved, you know, becoming involved in service. You know, breaking that the self-centered and you know, the ego thing, low self-esteem, low self-worth, well, you know, do esteemable acts, right? be of service it's hard to be stuck in my own self-pity whenever i'm being of service to someone else and sometimes it's simple as taking out the trash man at the meetings or you're chairing a meeting something as simple as that but that's where uh it's where i get fed man all right so doug let's talk about i had the opportunity to hear you speak the other day um let's talk about the transition that you had to make um and what were some of the challenges and what's some of the good things that have come out of that? So any other time I'd, I'd been in treatment and I hear it a lot still, you know, I got to get home and be a dad. I got to provide, I got to do this, that, and the other. I wasn't doing that shit to begin with. You know what I mean? So I finally reached that point of surrender. It's like, all right, God, I'm going to, I'm going to stay here until you tell me it's time to go home. <clears throat> and I, I prayed about it. I was feeling like it, you know, maybe it was getting time to go home and I prayed about it. And two different meetings, I heard two different people share about how going home early, early for them was a bad idea and it backfired. So I said, all right, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride this thing out. I'm going to stay here. And whenever he finally opened that door, like I, I went I went to treatment thinking I was going to be there 90 days, right? I wound up living down there for 16 months, left the treatment facility was a productive member of society down there. I had a job, you know, I had all these people around me that loved me. And my biggest fear was not being able to find in East Tennessee, what I'd found in Hallwald. And God just showed up and showed out, man. I, he put me in the perfect home group with people that love me, you know, for who I am, not for what I can do for them. You know, I had these big ideas that I was going to come back and set up another meeting just like the you know just like newcomers right and that wasn't the case you know each meeting has its own personality and has its own characters in it and its own colors to it you know and to to make myself a part of that you know the fears were unfounded you know i was worried about things i didn't have to worry about god already had it taken care of 
All right, so let's switch back to Johnny for a minute. Johnny, um, tell us about, you know, going through that first process. You pick up your year, and you had the opportunity to be there with Doug and Noah. Well, after you'd been there for a while, what was it like, you know, building your own um, individual program? And what how's your life changed since you've, uh, walked into the rooms and and what's life look like for you today? Well, for me, whenever I when I first started in this, thought I was going to do like everything else that I've done since I was a little kid. I was going to jump in Doug and Noah's shadow and just follow them and do whatever they're doing, do everything exactly the same way that they are. But one thing I had to realize was that my recovery has to be my recovery. I have to do things that are going to work for me because not everything that's going to work for me is going to work for somebody else. And through that process of finding my own way, I mean, I've found a few people that I've got close with that I probably wouldn't have got close with if I'd have tried to just follow Doug and Noah. I mean, and for me, if I'd have followed them and tried to do it their way, I don't believe I'd be here today. And my recovery, it's only as strong as the work that I put in. And because of my recovery, and I'm sitting in my own place tonight, I've got a roof over my head that I can go and sit and chill and just be myself, just relax, do whatever I want to do. And I'm not sitting in a car wondering where I'm going to sleep tonight, wondering if I've got enough gas to get there. I mean, before I got clean, man, I couldn't keep a relationship longer than two months. And now I'm in a relationship that I've been in for about 15 months. I'm engaged. And... The program of NA, my program, has taught me how to treat my partner. It's taught me how to be there for her and to be the man that she needs me to be. Because I mean, it's not just about making sure that everything's all right with Johnny now. I have to make sure that she's all right. And I have to be there whenever she has a down day. Because... If I'm not helping take care of her, then I'm not living by them spiritual principles that I learned. And man, I'm I'm grateful for my recovery. Man, I'm grateful for the people I've met that have taught me to be the man that I am today. I mean, from my sponsor and my sponsorship family showing me what a man walking in recovery should look like. And I strive every day to be a little bit more like them people. I know there's places that I need to improve, but I'm not going to do it perfect. The only thing that I have done perfect since my clean date is not get high. All right, Doug. Here's one for you. Uh, that moment that you that you walked up and asked somebody to sponsor you, and with working the steps in this process, and your sponsor actually telling you, 
it's time for you to pick up a sponsee. How was it like when that sponsee that came in there and said, Hey, I want you to be my sponsor. How was, how was that feeling? Man, immediately it was like them feelings of inadequacy. You know, like I'm not good enough to do this, but my sponsor said, don't you think you've got something worth sharing? Look at what NA has done for you so far. You don't think you've got something to share? And so it was an honor. You know, whenever I asked my sponsor to be my sponsor, he said, I'd be honored to. And I thought, what's this joker up to, right? But I get it now. Like, what an honor and a privilege, right? And it's really, man, I can take it back to gratitude. Like, because if it wasn't for NA and everything it's done for me, I wouldn't have nothing worth giving it away. You know, our, our readings say uh, we can only keep what we have by giving it away, right? Like, being on this side of sponsorship now is, wow. It's, I equate it to being a parent, right? Like, you can't explain what it's like to be a parent to someone that's never had kids. I can't explain to someone new in the program what it's like, how much a sponsee helps me until they can experience it. You know, if you're new in the program, you're listening, stick around until you can sponsor some people, man. Put in the work and get to where you can sponsor some people. And you talk about a spiritual experience, man, get to sit on the other side of some step work and see the light come on in someone's eyes. You know, for a sponsor to call me and say, hey, man, I got my license back today. Like, I'm happy because they're happy. You know what I mean? I'm proud of them for the work they put in. You know, for a, a sponsor to say, man, you know what? I, I got to see my kids today. I can relate, bro. I get that. You know, it's I never imagined the help I would get from a sponsor. Wow. What a blessing. All right, Johnny, let's get your take on it. Well, Doug nailed it with the feelings of inadequacy and just, man, I was I was nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. I mean, I thought that, man, what do I have to offer somebody? And same thing, man, my sponsor told me, you've got something to offer. So you need to, you'll be all right. You'll do good at it. And man, just the fact of whenever that sponsee calls me and I get to talk to them, even if it's just a, Hey man, just wanted to check in. And then they tell me, I say, Hey man, I love you. Thank you. I mean, I have to turn around and thank them because my program depends on them. I need them. And they help to keep me clean every day. And I'm, I've been able to sit across on a few steps now. I ain't been doing the sponsorship thing very long, but man, it's a blessing. It's, it's the greatest gift that I've received in recovery is the fact of getting to sit there and talk with somebody and whenever you're talking to them and whenever I share 
some of my stuff back with them and I see that they understand that I can understand where they're coming from. And there's not a feeling like it. That's really cool. You know, uh, Mason, uh, I know we don't usually share on this whole thing, but I remember working a step 10 with a sponsee and, uh, I really had some, uh, amends to make to the significant other, you know, because of stuff that he had mentioned, I was like, well, shit, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, man. There's nothing like um, the sponsor working that step with the sponsee and and being able to see what he's going through, opening my eyes even more to a deeper understanding than somebody that's got a lot less clean time than me. I think it, it's just a beautiful process, the whole process of sponsorship. Well, fellas, we're just about out of time. So before we leave i want to do two things the first thing i want to do is i want to bring doug back in and doug there's one thing i know about the beasley boys is you can't say that they love oh i can't say that what but the fuck i did. is wrong with but you? i did they all share the last name same last name so it's the thing that they got in common um, one thing that I do know though, is that y'all love to give each other a hard time. And sometimes that spreads a little farther than just the people in your family. So if you would, why don't you share your little joke that you, uh, brought to the home group the other night? <laughs> I'd love to. Well, I'd love you not to. <laughs> So Trav's wife walks in early from work one day and surprises him, catches him watching porn. And if you know Trav, you know he's a huge guitar man, great guitar player. So he immediately swaps over to a video of Dwayne Allman getting down on the guitar. She says, hell, Trav, you might as well change it back. You already know how to play guitar. <laughs> yes, yes. I thought that joke was so good the world needed to hear it. <laughs> all right so the last thing that we're going to do before we wrap it up i'm going to give each each of you an opportunity to share what you would say to that person who may be listening to this that's struggling and don't know where to turn and you know maybe it's somebody that's already in recovery that's kind of lost their way uh what is your message to the newcomer to the addict that still suffers man just keep coming back you know, if uh, I know it's a cliche that's thrown around a lot, but don't leave five minutes before the miracle happens, right? Like for me, I had to get vulnerable, you know, and be willing to to put aside all the old macho man. I'm going to just stuff it down and not talk about this stuff, right? Like whenever I got honest and got vulnerable, I started to get some healing. You know, if you feel I promise you, you're not alone. Never alone, never again. Keep coming back. Don't give up. You know, even, like, I know people, I'm one of them, you know, that just continually came to meetings high because I knew there was something that I wanted. You know, and it stuck. It finally stuck, man. You know, man, beyond that, we need you. 
it's the newcomer's the most important person at any meeting, right? Because we can only keep what we have by giving it away. We want to love you until you find the love for yourself. We want to be that for you. Good shit. What about you, Johnny? I'm, if you're carrying all that shame and guilt around, beating yourself up for the things you've done in the past, man, it's a good place to drop it off. Get you that sponsor, work some steps, and you'll find some relief. That's where I found mine. It's where I found freedom from all that shame and guilt. And before I got into the rooms, man, all I wanted to do was die. I sat so many nights sticking a needle in my arm, praying it would kill me. And, and if you're there, if you've been there, there's a way out. There's a better life on the other side of this. And I'm so grateful that I was able to find that life. And if I can find it, anybody can. All right, man. We sure appreciate y'all coming on here. Um, I think you know what each of you mean to us personally. You guys are special to us, and I love you dearly. And thank you for coming on here and doing this. Love you. Guys. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having us. What an honor to be able to talk about what NA's done in my life. No doubt. Family. I love you. Love you, boys. Thank you for joining us on our Living Clean podcast. This is another platform that we can share our message of recovery, which is an addict, any addict, can stop using drugs, lose a desire to use, and find a new way to live. Join that no matter what club. You can contact us through text. The number is 931-306-9364.